Welcome to the Move to Value podcast, powered by Chess Health Solutions. The Move to Value podcast is dedicated to helping healthcare providers understand and make the transition into value-based care. We do this through conversations and the sharing of innovative ideas with experts and leaders throughout the healthcare industry. Our mission is to sustainably transform the healthcare experience for the patient, provider, and care team by cultivating a value-oriented, compassionate, and health-aligned community. Today we have a conversation about motivational interviewing with Dr. Sebastian Kaplan, a clinical psychologist and associate professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Medicine at the Wake Forest University School of Medicine. Dr. Kaplan, welcome to the Move to Value podcast. Thank you. Can you give our audience a broad overview on motivational interviewing and its role in healthcare? Sure. Well, motivational interviewing, uh, in its in its most simplest way of defining it, is it's a conversation about change. Now, there's all kinds of ways to have conversations about change, obviously. So, what makes MI unique? Um, so, one of the things that separates it is the interpersonal style that we strive for in every MI conversation. And it's a style that is predicated on, uh, on collaboration, on uh, a lack of judgment or minimal judgment, um, one of acceptance of a person's choices and whether they're choices that seem to be consistent with health or not, we're, we're accepting of their autonomous decision-making. Uh, and it's it's a style that's rooted in compassion as well. So that's that's the like the style of the conversation. There's also an intentional uh, strategic part of the conversation, which which really does separate MI. The the interpersonal style is that's pretty consistent, at least in theory, on what other approaches would be about. But the specific uh, strategy about MI is is one that listens for and explicitly invite invites uh, the the patient to talk about change and and so again that might seem like well okay that's what all conversations are about but there, there's a there's a really um, a set of specific strategies and, and techniques that are used on top of that style that serve to um, serve to build a conversation about change. But most importantly, though, it's the the, uh, the patient's own reasons for change, their own desires and motivations for change, not, not our imposition of what they should or they shouldn't do. It's designed to kind of draw that out from the other person. What is the benefit of motivational interviewing versus traditional health behavior change methods? So I guess we could start with what would traditional behavior change methods be in, in broadly speaking in healthcare, right? I mean, there's, we're not only talking about psychotherapy, um, you know, because MI is something that's broadly applicable. Uh, I would say a traditional conversation follows a, and this is a, a generalization, of course, but follows a path where the healthcare provider who is viewed as the expert on whatever the topic at hand is, uh, gathers information. With that information, they develop 
the they they arrive at a diagnosis and they develop a, a plan for the patient and then informs the patient what the plan is and you know go along go on your way to implement this plan and again this is a gross generalization but but in general it's a very uh it's, it's fairly hierarchical where there's one expert and that's the provider and then the patient is there to you know tell the provider information about themselves but the provider is the one that has the answers you know and um you know so what are the advantages well i guess we know both from empirical research but even just our own experience uh human beings aren't great at following through with things that they're told when they're told what to do right and not just you know lectured or you know done or if it's done in a harsh way not even even that it's um you know we're, we're more likely to follow through with behavior change particularly really challenging behavior changes that are discussed all the time in, in healthcare. Um, it's it we're more likely to follow through if if the plan and if that kind of drive and the reasons for change come from within us. Well it's obvious that there are major benefits of using MI. So why do you think it hasn't been adopted by the entire healthcare industry? Well <clears throat> yeah so it's it's a good question. Um, I think a few things. One, and I think a lot in the world, in the work that I do, and and a lot of the the trainings that I've done have been for professionals that are involved in pretty um, high stress or with problems of, of fairly high urgency. Um, you know, so for instance, um, in psychiatry, we talk a lot. You know, and, and in my particular work, you know, part, at least part of my work, I work with teenagers that are suicidal, that harm themselves for various reasons, who, who may use drugs and alcohol. And, you know, that and, and other, you know, kind of urgent, um, you know, health problems, I think, elicit a lot of, you know, stress and concern uh, on the part of the healthcare provider. And I think it's just really, I think that higher level of urgency uh, kind of um, evokes more of a you have to change kind of uh, approach from the from the provider. And, and it's, it's a lot harder to kind of settle into a more uh, relaxed, collaborative, conversational style when someone is in that kind of high stress, high urgency kind of situation. So I think that's one. But, you know, I think it's just been it's also a method that's just been passed down over the years where the healthcare provider is viewed as the expert and and that the expertise of the healthcare provider is what will ultimately lead the patient to towards health. And it, it just takes a, a while in healthcare for things to change, uh, you know, healthcare. The literature certainly doesn't support a lecturing paternalistic style of communication, but because that's what has been, you know, in place for, you know, decades and centuries, perhaps, um, you know, those that teach the younger generations continue to do that. And I think we're we're seeing shifts. We're seeing changes. Um, it's certainly there's certainly a lot of like patient centered language that's in 
our medical education curriculum here. Um, I think it, it, it feels a lot more natural for med students now than maybe 15 years ago when I first started in this position um, to, to really get and understand why lecturing somebody to change is probably not going to be all that helpful. What would a conversation using motivational interviewing techniques look like? Well, it would, um, I, I think a, a key element to an MI conversation that would lead one to sniff it out pretty quickly is the use of a particular uh, counseling skill or conversational skill called a reflection or broad, broader than that, reflective listening. And so what reflective listening is, is a, uh, a um, it, it's sort of, I guess a, a way to start describing it is to contrast it with what's typically seen, and that is a series of questions followed by answers. Um, a reflection isn't a question. You think you can think of it as a, a brief summary about or of what somebody just said. Now, the reflection, though, has a couple of uh, purposes. One is it is an invitation to say more to speak more, and in particular, to say more about the thing that the provider has reflected. So in that sense, it functions kind of like a question because people kind of know if you ask me a question, I'm going to answer your question. Well, most people kind of get if you hear a reflection, they're going to likely say more about that thing. Um, the other thing, though, about a reflection is that it does something that a question doesn't, which is it has like in an unspoken way, it delivers the message, I'm listening, and what you say matters. Uh, I'm accepting of what you say. Uh, and, you know, of course, your the tone and, and, you know, intonation matters, too, in how you deliver a, deliver a reflection. But so, um, so what does what an MI conversation sound like? Well, you're likely to hear way more reflections than questions. That's the most obvious difference. And then I guess another one is you'll hear questions that are, you know, probably, um, I guess, less frequent than you might find in, in other settings or in other kinds of styles. Uh, you might hear questions like, what are your top three reasons to, you know, quit smoking, for instance, right? That is a question that, again, it's if you're going on the traditional role where the provider's job is to tell the patient why they should quit smoking. There's no need to ask the patient what their three reasons are because we have the reasons. We know and we're gonna tell the patient. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's questions like that that serve to draw out from the patient their own ideas about change, the reasons why they would change, uh, the, their impressions for any advice and feedback that the provider does have. Uh, is is really explicitly drawn out. So I guess that would be another thing that you, you'd probably hear the patient talking a lot more than they otherwise would. It's often difficult to fold in a new tool and get comfortable with it. Can you provide a few MI strategies that are easy to start with? Yep. So one strategy for those that are, um, you know, a lot more comfortable with questions, uh, we try to um, to rely more on open questions versus closed questions. So open questions are ones that typically start with 
with the words what or how or why or even the invitation of tell me more about you know x y or z and not that we can't ask closed questions or shouldn't but uh if we if our default setting is ask closed questions you're likely going to get really abbreviated answers you are likely to get kind of narrow experiences from the patient. Whereas if you ask open questions or at least start with open questions, um, it, it both invites more from the patient, but also, um, you know, it, it, in terms of leveling the playing field and enhancing the patient's active role in the healthcare encounter, open questions just, just invite that more so than closed questions. So that would be one thing. Um, the use of reflections, obviously, that's something that's really critical in, in terms of a, a skill. And, you know, I, I also wouldn't want to um, express the belief that unless you're, you know, doing two to three times more reflections to questions, then don't bother. Actually, there was a study that I, I cite sometimes, although I don't have it the exact citation in my mind, but um, it, it demonstrated that in, in primary care settings, any use of reflections, any use by the physician uh, was, uh, was a, a significant contributor to that healthcare experience on the part of the patient. I, I believe it was, a, it was a study looking at um, you know, obesity and weight management. And so it, it, it facilitated a more open dialogue and more comfort on the part of the patient to, to converse. So you know, even if you just sprinkle in a reflection or two in there, um, that's a great place to start. Um, what would be another thing? I, I would, you know, kind of get comfortable with the question that is is so often um, overlooked when talking about change. And that is before you start delivering the message of how a person could change, stop and find out what's in it for them. Why would they change at all in the first place? And, and I would even go so far as to say it's perhaps even more important to ask that question for the higher urgency conversations. You know, so I one of the things I, I teach a lot of the psychiatry residents and med students I work with is, you know, working with kids that are harming themselves. I mean, that's as high urgency as you might get. I always ask those kids, so what's in it for you? What, what how would if you decided not to harm yourself, how would that make life better for you? And we we so often skip that. In again, it, out of good intentions, trying to get to the strategies that we know or we think we know will help, we we miss that whole part of it, which is so important because they're not going to change if they don't have reasons to change. So it's it can be really important to to ask that kind of a question. Join us next time as we continue our conversation with Dr. Kaplan on the effectiveness of motivational interviewing. Thanks for listening to the Move to Value podcast, powered by Chess Health Solutions, where our mission is to sustainably transform the healthcare experience for the patient, provider, and care team. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. As always, you can head over to movetovaluepodcast.com to sign up for the email list, as well as check out all the resources in the show notes.
If you are interested in continuing to hear about value-based care and how it impacts you, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Also, we would love it if you would share the Move to Value podcast across social media and leave a rating and review. See you next time.